I remember thinking to myself, why do I think I matter? Or why do I think any of this matters? Because eventually we all die and return to dust, and that's it. That's the end of us. Mary Jo Sharp had a grim view of the world. And even after becoming a Christian, Mary Jo struggled to understand the brokenness of humanity. I just keep finding real people, right? Humans, fallen sinful humans who have all the same problems as everybody else in the world. It caused me to wonder why I believed in God. It took years for Mary Jo Sharp to find answers to her questions about life and faith, but today she can't deny the truths of God. Mary Jo is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Josh Batson, filling in for Jim Kirkland this week. You know, a lot of what Mary Jo shares in her story has to do with the church, Big C Church, as in the body of Christian believers around the world. And later in this episode, Billy Graham will share some thoughts about the church, and you might be surprised by what he says. There's no such thing as a perfect church. If you find a perfect church and you join it, it becomes imperfect. It becomes imperfect because we're all sinners who need God's grace. And you can learn more about that grace at our website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We wanted to remind you that you can reach out to us through email. Our address is gps at billygram.org. Nancy recently sent us a very encouraging email. She said she uses GPS as a way to tell other people about Jesus. That is great to hear, Nancy. Thanks for letting us know. And again, remember, you can write to us at gps at billygram.org. GPS. God. People. Stories. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, the Portland, Oregon area. From downtown Portland to the great outdoors, Mary Jo Sharp loves the Pacific Northwest. It was just culturally rich, just a very cool vibe. And then, of course, you have the natural beauty around here. And that's really like if I would say what was my childhood like, I would say camping. We camped all the time. Like it was a lot of camping. As a kid, Mary Jo grew to love nature, science, and music. My dad just really taught me appreciation for the beauty of the mountains and the ocean and science. And just, man, he just really loved uh, nature. But So I was a band kid, and I did a lot with band. I mean, I was in marching band. I was in as many band classes as my high school would let me take. So I was (laughs) like two concert bands, a jazz band. I was in marching band. I sang in the choir. Uh, I did a lot of music. One thing Mary Jo didn't grow up learning about was God. My parents didn't take me to church, so I, I didn't know much about Jesus or God or anything Christian, other than what I saw on like TV and in the movies. And obviously, that was pretty shallow. And you know, I was strong-minded. I, I was a go-getter. I was, you know, I, I didn't need that in my life. So I wasn't sure why people were Christian. Something else Mary Jo wasn't sure about was why her life mattered. Her worldview was largely shaped by her dad, and he was a loyal fan of Carl Sagan, the popular astronomer and scientist. I learned from Sagan 
you know, that this, the earth is just this pale blue dot, you know, we're just kind of off in the far corner of this vast universe. So basically I'm getting the sense that we are just like, I'm just a blob of atoms and I don't really matter because look at this giant universe we have yet to explore. And that begins to really affect my thinking in high school. Although I didn't know to frame it that way. I remember one particular breakup with a boyfriend that left me really distraught. And I was really upset over this guy. And I remember thinking to myself, what does it matter? You know, why do I think I matter? Or why do I think uh, any of this matters? Because basically, you know, I have Carl Sagan running through my head in the background there. And I couldn't figure out why I thought I mattered. And I couldn't figure out why I thought music mattered or these experiences that I had of the beauty of uh, creation around me, why I thought any of this mattered. Because eventually we just, we all die and return to dust. Like, and that's it. That's the end of us. And it didn't make sense to me. Around the same time that Mary Jo was wrestling with this way of thinking, she got an unexpected gift from her high school band director, who was a Christian. And he has never shared his faith with anybody. He's intimidated to do so with me because he's a teacher in the public schools and he could lose his job over this. But he feels so burdened for me that my senior year of high school, he pulls me aside and he gives me an NIV one-year Bible, which has a reading plan in it. And he says, when you go off to college, you're going to have hard questions. I hope you'll turn to this. Mary Jo was caught off guard by the gift, but she trusted and respected her band director, so she started to read the Bible. And what she found surprised her. The way that Jesus was talking about who we are as humans and why we continue to do the things that are wrong for us, the things that hurt us, and what we should do instead, and that there's a different way to live. There came the appeal. Jesus made sense of my experience. He made sense of the fact that I believed in right and wrong, that I believed that there was a way things should be, but that things weren't that way. And that drew me, that combined with God being the author, the artist behind all the beauty in the world, helping me see that all this beauty wasn't for nothing, that it, it meant something, it was pointing me on to something greater than myself. This all made sense to me. So as she started college, Mary Jo decided she would check out a church to see what Christianity was all about. After a while, though, Mary Jo got busy with school and she stopped going to church. In the meantime, she met a guy named Roger. I met him when I was a freshman. I wasn't looking for anybody, but I ended up meeting him. It was one of those like, oh man, I'm going to marry this guy (laughs) when I met him. (laughs) And so we we ended up getting engaged very quickly and uh, we got married while we were still young in college. After Mary Jo and Roger tied the knot, they decided to start going back to church. He had been a backslidden Christian, and he had gotten hurt in church, and so he had sort of fallen away. But once he got with me, he sort of like took the responsibility of being sort of a leader in the family. Like, I I need to get us in church. You know, I'm responsible for a family now, so I need to have us in the church. And uh, so one of his ex-girlfriends actually invited us to her church, a small church in this college town. And that church was where I heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I heard a very logical way of saying why we needed a Savior, and it it really drew me to responding to Christ. It was October 1994 when Mary Jo surrendered her life to Jesus. And the next Sunday, she was really excited to officially declare her faith during worship and join the church. But when she arrived at church that Sunday morning, she was completely caught off guard by the pastor's wife, who told Mary Jo that her dress was too revealing. 
I'm expecting like, Hey, I heard that you committed your life to Christ. That's so awesome. What a blessing. Congratulations. Welcome. Blah, blah, blah. What I got was I got the, the smile dropped. She looked me over and said, Oh honey, we need to get you better clothes. I'm trying to figure out why my clothes are being commented on. It's very confusing to me. I was expecting to find people who were searching for the same things I was searching for, like the goodness, truth, and beauty of God. And I immediately get hit from the very first day with judgmentalism. And that wasn't the only time that Mary Jo and Roger would be hurt in a church setting. As they got involved with youth group and music ministry, they soon discovered that the church is not immune to conflict, criticism, and negativity. But what really hurt me was the fact that what I constantly longed for, which was community, fellowship, love, a family, people who wanted to be very deep with what they knew about God, people who wanted to go uh, deep in their knowledge, but also deep in their relationship with God. I just kept hitting, especially in ministry, roadblocks, these roadblocks of people who didn't seem to care to live like what they professed was true. Um, And that just, it was just heartbreaking. And and then it caused me to wonder why I believed in God. So Mary Jo began searching for answers to the questions she had about her faith and her disappointments with the church. I didn't know that was this field that I'm in called apologetics. I actually didn't know that was a field. I was just looking for answers. And um, once I found answers to those questions, once I started hearing, I started getting into debates, listening to debates where I heard the atheist arguments. I heard the Christian arguments. So once I got into that, I came to a point where I couldn't deny the truth of Christianity. So now I don't know what to do, right? Because I believe in God, and I believe that Jesus died for his people, and I believe that there's a community of people called the church that he's still using today to be the light of the world, to share his truth with others. So I was caught with, what do I do? I have this tension of the beauty of what Jesus did for us, just alongside all this human hypocrisy and ugliness. What Mary Jo came to realize is that imperfection will always be part of our life on earth. There's no such thing as a perfect church with perfect people, because even followers of Jesus are still sinful people in a sinful world. Here I was saying, these people aren't acting like the New Testament is true. Like, are they even reading their Bible? Oh, well, hey, Mary Jo, go read the Bible for yourself. Paul was dealing with problems amongst the leadership, you know, confronting Peter. And <laughs> there, was, there was selfishness amongst them. There was control. There was, they had their own issues. And it, so it's been there since the start. And one thing my husband said to me a long time ago was I used to lament, I was like, where are the leaders in the church that are like real and authentic? You know, where are these people who seem to live like what they profess? <laughs> and I was upset because I, there were so many things going on in ministry and in being in leadership in the church that I didn't like, that didn't match up to the New Testament teachings. And my husband finally said to me, you keep looking for that person. Maybe God is telling you to be that person, be the person that you are trying to find. And I was like, that is so much harder. (laughs) Yes, it, it is harder. But Mary Jo is committed to living on her husband's suggestion. In spite of her doubts and disappointments, she's still walking strong with Jesus Christ today. And she's helping point the next generation to Christ. And now, Mary Jo herself is an apologetics professor at Houston Baptist University. She's written several books and Bible studies, and she runs a ministry called Confident Christianity that helps believers better understand the truths of the Bible. 
Mary Jo and Roger have also recently moved back to Portland to help revitalize a failing church. They've been losing members and they have gotten to a point where they have to either revitalize or they're going to be shutting their doors. We're excited. We hope we can help them out. And, uh, you know, it's just great to be back in a in an area where I'm from to be able to help out uh, my hometown with um, a longtime church that we don't want to see close their doors. Will that experience be difficult and painful? Probably. But Mary Jo has decided not to let that stop her from obeying God's call to live in Christian community. I know that I am going to experience all the same kinds of things I've experienced in the past because people are people. I'm going to find the person who's a controller in the church. I'm going to find the person who got hurt in their own life and hasn't worked through it in a productive way. And so they're going to hurt other people as a means of handling their hurt. I'm going to find the person who is abusive in the church. I'm going to find the person who's addicted to horrible things in the church. And I know that that is not going to stop. But I also know that Jesus died for them. God loves them so much that he died and then rose from the dead. He defeated the consequence of their sin so that they could have a restored relationship with him and that they're on their path towards that Christ-likeness, just like I am. Mary Jo Sharp discovered that God loves her. And God loves you, too. He wants to have a relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus gave His life away to forgive you and to save you. Did you know that you can have peace with God today? We want to help you get started on that journey. You can learn more at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. A world void of God. I'm quoting Mary Jo there, and you'll hear what she had to say about it in just a minute. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. There's no such thing as a perfect church. If you find a perfect church and you join it, it becomes imperfect. Billy Graham. Now, some are reluctant to make the choice for Christ because of the church. How many times I hear the word, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, there's hypocrites in every area of life. The one requirement for membership in the church is that you are unworthy to be a member. Christ himself founded the church. The church is made up of sinners that have been saved by the grace of God. The church is for fellowship. The church is for strengthening our faith. The church has many things that it can contribute to you. Do you know Christ? Are you certain of it? He says, repent of your sin. Be converted. Come to me. I will change your life. I'll make you a new person. I'll give you new power, a new joy, a new peace, a new happiness. You can learn more about the kind of faith Billy Graham was just talking about at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Our guest on this episode of GPS has been Christian apologist Mary Jo Sharp. She has a book coming out in November called Why I Still Believe. One of the issues she writes about in the book is the depravity of an atheistic worldview. If you're struggling with Christianity, the thing that I really want people to consider is 
take atheism all the way out. What does that actually mean uh, if you profess atheism? So the book ends up with going through to that point, like pushing you into really considering a world void of God, specifically God as the standard of goodness. So as the basis for things like human rights and human value and meaning and purpose. So um, I, I really push towards that and like just consider what it's like. And um, I've I really tried to make the book more invitational and not preachy because that's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to shake my finger at people. Rather, I'm just trying to show you how I struggled through things. And maybe somebody um, will find some solace or some help through my own struggle and how these arguments helped me. Again, Mary Jo's new book is called Why I Still Believe, and you can learn more about it on her website, which is confidentchristianity.com. Our thanks to Mary Jo Sharp for being with us and for sharing her story on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Josh Batson. Thanks for listening and thanks to Mercy Me for letting us use their music in this episode. GPS, God, People, Stories is an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. My-